I'm Dave Binocco, the Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle Podcast. Well, what a joy it was to share our first Parish Connection podcast episode of this 50th anniversary year with you in our last edition. Hearing stories from Burt Blair and Terry Roper, two individuals whose pasts intersect with the very first days of Parish Day School, truly helped to illuminate some of the values that still drive our organization today. In fact, aligned with our year-long theme of Reconnect and Reset, we are using this month's two episodes to consider how vital it is for organizations like Parish to reconnect to their institutional purpose and identity as they begin to emerge from the pandemic. The last 18 months have challenged companies and organizations like our school. Some have seen business as they once knew it dry up significantly, Others have had to reconceptualize how they deliver their services given the pandemic, altered behavior of their customers, and almost all organizations have experienced how the sense of community they once fostered among loyal followers could be jeopardized by the disconnection resultant of the pandemic. Atop all this, of course, the country's ongoing reckoning with racial injustice and economic inequity and an increasingly polarized national dialogue have further challenged organizations to unite their followers. I wondered how other CEOs, ones outside of the school industry, have experienced this period of instability and uncertainty, and am thrilled to be joined by a leader and a person whom I have the deepest respect. Anne Mukherjee is the chairman and CEO of North America for beverage company Pernod Ricard, a role she has held since December of 2019. Previous to Pernod Ricard, Anne's career tilted heavily into the global marketing space during over two decades with SC Johnson, PepsiCo, and the Kraft Heinz Company. Anne and her husband, Deepu, are, more importantly, Parish alum parents. Their twins, Nishant and Maya, graduated in Parish's class of 2020 and are now studying at the University of Oregon and the University of Arizona, respectively. We are so fortunate to have Anne's wisdom on this podcast episode, and I'm sure you will enjoy it. Well, welcome back to the From My Angle podcast. In this month of October, when we're talking about how we reconnect to organizational purpose and to be places of of value, love talking with Terry Roper and Burt Blair in our last episode about the early values of Parish Day that still remain with us even today at our 50th anniversary as Parish Episcopal. But I was wondering how other CEOs like myself, one's not in the school biz, were handling emerging from the pandemic and reconnecting their companies to values and strategic direction. And so I went to someone for whom I have the deepest respect. And Mukherjee is the chairman and CEO of North America, the beverage company, Pernod Ricard. And she has held that position since 2019. And if you do the math on that, it means she did not lead and has not led for very long outside of the pandemic. So she will be a great person to speak to about this. But previous to being at Pernod, Anne's career tilted heavily in the global marketing space, two decades at SC Johnson, PepsiCo, and Kraft Heinz Company. But more importantly, Anne and her husband, Deepu, are parish alum parents. Their twins, Nishant and Maya, graduated in the class of 2020 and are now studying in a much more normal sophomore year at the University of Oregon and the University of Arizona, respectively. So, Anne, welcome to the From My Angle podcast. It is so good to see you. 
It's wonderful to see you and what an opportunity and an honor to be here today. I always love talking leadership with this lady. She came into our Leadership Institute and wowed the students in the Institute and uh, has been a great source of, uh, of, of inspiration and thought for me, uh, both in direct conversation, but just watching what she does in her world of work. So, so glad to have her. And, you know, I like to have guests on the podcast and talk to us about, you know, how they define themselves sometimes outside their professional identities. So I'm wondering, like, when you bump into somebody who doesn't know you're the CEO of a global company, how do you identify yourself just from a value basis? Who are yeah, you? Yeah, I am, um, you know, whether you're asking me as a mom, as a CEO, as a fellow human being, I always talk it from the vantage point of my purpose in life is to unleash the power and potential of others, not just so they can realize what's possible, but to help them unlock and do what could be the impossible. And that, and that um, identity of yours, how long, how long have you been introducing yourself to people that way? How long, how, cause I know your kids and I know how precocious they were in that regard. So I'm wondering like, was that you in high school or when? You know, it, it's been a journey. I wish it was in high school. I think I really started figuring it out right after the birth of the twins. Mm -hmm. And when I really became my first C-suite kind of job, mm -hmm. and I realized it was, you know, my biggest contribution is about what I needed to get done uh, had to be through the power of others. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so I, I would say it's been a journey for me to find this. Yep. Um, you know, and it's, and it's one that I recommend, uh, is a lifelong journey and everyone should figure out for themselves. Yeah. I love that. You know, we do in the, in the leadership institute, as you, as you may remember, we, uh, when, when the shot, we do these credos and that sounds to me like your credo, right? Your personal leadership credo of unleashing the, the, the potential and others. And, and for me, I would tell the kids all the time, you know, we did sometimes, uh, the exercise of a six word sentence, you know, and mine is. Mine is once gone, his positive impact remains, you know, which is that, oh. and that's like yours really it kind of crosses out of my professional career to how I engage with my family, how I sit at the um, individual meeting that I go to. Can I leave one piece of positive impact on this meeting that I'm at today, even if I don't necessarily feel like uh, being here, every engagement you have with family or friends? And so I do agree with you that if you can um, mature your way, because it doesn't come easily, but if you can mature your way into a personal credo as an identifier, it can be really, really helpful. But all right, so you're here leading this uh, this this beverage company from your home here in Dallas, I might add. I'm talking to you, <laughs> like, this isn't really super glorious, but here you are, right? So tell us a little bit about the company and how we would identify it in the marketplace. Because like in a lot of our worlds today, from the consumer standpoint, uh, big companies um, possess brands that we're much more familiar with. So, so tell us about the company. So if you ask us, you know, what we do, um, uh, we sell, um, you know, spirits and wine and champagne brands. So, you know, Jameson, Absolute, um, you know, uh, some big brands that people, Malibu might have heard of the second largest uh, company in the world. Um, and uh, it's a real privilege uh, to do what I do. But I think to really answer the question um, is what we talk about is the why we do it. And the why we do it is, you know, we're a very values-driven company. Um, our culture centers around this notion. It's a French company 
And the word is, it's an American word, it's conviviality. And it Mm. took me a while to really unpack that for my organization. At the heart of it is we are in the business, the why of unlocking the power of human connection. Mm. And, you know, with that comes respecting one another, with that comes being responsible because we work in an industry where responsibility matters a lot. And so this Mm. is about, you know, a very values driven company. um, And we just love to bring people together. And that works perfectly with this theme of reconnecting and resetting. You all are striving to live it at all the times. We'll get into how maybe that's been um, more difficult or challenging um, in, in the status of the pandemic, which indeed we should talk about to begin because of the way that your tenure started. I mean, oh, December 2019, which means you had roughly you know 60 days or so, give or take, under quote unquote normal conditions before the pandemic upended things. And this has really been fascinating to me talking to leaders across different sector because I felt exceptionally blessed to have been in my seat for a decade in terms of the capital I'd accrued in my community, the, some of the skills that I developed, my knowledge of my culture, of the place that I work in here, so that when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, I, I felt like I had I, I had some some strong foundation on which to stand. But not every CEO has had that. And even here at school, our three division leaders in in Laurel and and Andrew and Jen had all in that very year, 2019, like you, begun uh, new leadership roles. And it really makes a difference. So talk to us a little bit about the evident burdens your onboarding presented. But now, with several years of time gone by, a couple of years anyway, what were some of the unintended gifts that it offered you? Yeah, and many. Um, I would tell you, um, as they say, sometimes, um, you know, crisis is an opportunity. And that was certainly the case here. Um, you know, it, it, first of all, I was brought in um, to, con- to continue to accelerate this company's performance, uh, to lift our organization, to bring diversity into our organization. Um, as a by the by, I'm the only female um, woman of color in the entire uh, North American industry. So, you know, this was, this was more than just, you know, a new hire, it was about changing the industry. And so given the pandemic, one of the, the things I, I myself am very, I, I enjoy being learning agile. I just, I think learning is a, is a lifelong journey, listening, learning, observing, connecting, um, being open to new thinking, new thoughts, and what you know, this pandemic provided was almost a pause. And because nothing worked the way it used to, people were like, okay, then what do we do? And so it allowed me the opportunity to bring others into this learning journey, mm. as opposed to, well, this is the way we've always done it. So you need to go figure that out. It was, hey, I think we have to break some, some, some rules and invent new ones. And we call that advancing through ambiguity. Mm. And it's an intersection between understanding what is important and what is in your control. And if you chase everything, you'll do nothing. And if you try to do stuff that you have no ability to actually impact, um, you'll just spin in place. So it was an unbelievable opportunity to grow some new muscle for the organization Mm -hmm. 
and to invent together um, advantages that I don't think we would have had mm-hmm. had we not had this opportunity. Yeah, it's amazing how that ties into your credo of unleashing the power and potential of those with whom you led, because here you were all trying to solve these um, new problems together. But I wonder about the burden that you must have felt. You know, we make the joke of you sitting in your your home here in Dallas running this this um, the North American side of this global company, how how it's been on the human relationship side. Has that been hard and was that a burden initially? And have you found your way through that? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is we've gone through this, you know, we've tried to stay very connected, obviously. Um, you know, and a lot of people have asked me, productivity has not, you know, in, in any way um, been affected. As a matter of fact, we actually did better uh, business-wise, um, but I would tell you it's not sustainable. Mm. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned, my first pri- priority was to keep people safe, all my employees safe. And remember, I have people that don't get to be virtual. I have people in my plants, in my factories, in my distribution centers. They have to go to work every day, right? And so for me, what I learned as I listened is not just to keep people safe physically, but to keep them safe mentally. Mm. I think mental fitness, mental health um, became really the thing that people underestimated. Even asking a simple question every day that I think people forgot to ask, which is, how are you? How can I help you? And I think saying thank you more often, um, just to help people feel like, you know, I matter. I may be one person, but I matter. And I think the power of people and valuing people has just skyrocketed in terms of importance than if you would have asked me pre-pandemic. Yeah, so right on that. We had our first two episodes of this podcast season on uh, really this idea of, of what we've experienced as trauma and how to reconnect our, our community as emerging from very uniquely felt trauma. And Laura, Laura Newt Lipsky, and it was just fantastic at really laying out some steps that we could take um, to, to think about how to care for one another before we start worrying about proceeding forward. And so I love that. I love that whole idea yeah. of uh, that that mental fitness and the gratitude and the asking about how how are you, you know we're spending a lot of time intentionally with our community here at Paris talking about this this notion of reconnecting. So we're reconnecting here in the fall, and then we're going to start to reset our visions forward in the spring. And so, in fact, this upcoming week in October, we're bringing 170 parents to three different campus meetings. Um, this, this week to talk about the values that bind us as a community. And, and those will be followed by similar sessions with our employees and with our students and with our alumni um, to illuminate Parish's core and shared values and identities. And so you've spoken a little bit to this tangentially, but have, have you all felt the need to do this at, at Bernard? And, and, and if so, like how in a company so large and globalized are you trying to make that happen? Yeah, we are um, being very thoughtful about it. Um, There is such a need for physical connection. I think one of the biggest um, uh, phrases that was miscoined in the pandemic was social distancing. Mm -hmm. It should have been physical distancing because Mm -hmm. we still need to stay socially connected. Mm -hmm. We are social creatures. So we are now, um, so we have just announced that we will be reopening all our offices on January 4th. We are federal contractors, so you know we have to mandate vaccines. 
So we want to give people time to get vaccinated, feel safe. And then starting from January, we are curating um, connection, what we call connection uh, pods, whether it's for teams, whether it's for um, you know, different offices that we have all over North America. Um, we're doing a company-wide meeting to, to celebrate. Um, you know, we have groups all across the world that have not been allowed to come into the United States. Hmm. They want to come back in and they just opened up visa um, uh, capabilities for different countries in Europe and Asia to come back in. So we do feel that connecting and celebrating and collaborating is part of the human spirit. Mm -hmm. But we want to do it thoughtfully. I think the biggest lesson we've learned is we don't have to meet for the sake of meeting. There could be purpose-based connections and giving people the time and respect that if they want to work agilely, we have those facilities as well. But we do want people to come together um, because I think there is nothing more um, powerful exponentially than the unlocking the power of human connection. I mean, especially when you want your employees to go out and celebrate this core value of conviviality, right? And this, this idea of the power of, of um, human connection that you spoke to off the top, which I love, by the way, for a beverage and spirit company to think about how to do that responsibly, but, but, but also to be a, to be a place that, that is celebratory. And you really got to get people back together here pretty soon. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Not as celebratory looking through the screen of our computers, is it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's going to be so great. And so then like, you know, once that's done and starts in January and you begin to implement, it gets to this notion of the reset, right? So we're, we're looking in early 22 to reset around aspirations for the years to come. We had this great fortune of this being our 50th anniversary. So many of these gathering events that you referred to that you're going to be staging and curating for your community. We had um, amazing events in September that allowed us to get so many community members back on campus to see the opening of the Noble Performing Arts Center, for example. So it's been so restorative to energy. And I hear you talking about the power of social connection, but we also got to figure out like, here's what we were working on before the pandemic. Yeah. And then to your point, we went we went through all this, this, uh, you know, sort of ad advancing through the ambiguity and we figured so many things out during the pandemic. And now we got to figure out how do we merge those lessons with the things we were exploring before the pandemic. So we've got some of those uh, meetings planned for the spring to start hearing from our constituents on, you know, what they liked before about Parish and what they're liking about it from the pandemic and what that does to set their aspirations moving forward. How are you all planning to do that? And, and how do you incorporate the, the, the power of feedback from your constituents? Something I know you're really tied into as a marketer. I'm talking about your customers, but also your frontline people, your, your leadership. What are your all's thoughts on how you're going to do that um, in the next four to six months? Yeah, I mean, it's um, let me give you kind of a range of what's going on. From an employee standpoint, uh, we've seen two things. They want to have a, a hand in the future of work. And they want to understand what pieces of it can I continue to do from, from home. It's allowing them to balance home and work life much better. Um, so they can go to all their kids' school activities, be flexible. You know, So it's, it's allowed people to think about living differently. And so we want to respect what that looks like. So that's number one. Um, all the way to, you know, when you think about... Um, uh, you know, our distributors. Um, and this is really interesting in our, in, in our industry, which is 
this pandemic has now opened up new ways for shoppers to shop. I don't have to go to a store anymore, right? They, they want the convenience of everything coming to them. So we're talking to our distributors and our retailers around what does that new convenience world look like? How does that change how people work together, right? So, you know, not everybody, some stores are actually closing their stores and they're becoming picking centers so people can just pick the product and deliver it to people's homes. So it's changing the way we sell. It's changing the way we deliver. So it, it, is, it is actually reinventing the entire mm. industry from employees to our distributors, to our consumers and shoppers. And that's the beauty of all of this, because as I said, comes crisis, comes opportunity. So are you using surveying or you have team members that are going out and sitting around focus groups? Is it all of those things? Like what are some of the core strategies you all are, are tapping to, to get that work done? We, all of it. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. We're, we're, we're doing a survey um, and it's, a, it's an ongoing survey, meaning mm-hmm. we've used new technology to be able to continuously talk to our, our, our employee base. Um, you know, we're, we're sitting down, our functional heads sit down with their leadership teams to hear their voices um, uh, and, and see what they're hearing from their teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I just came back last week from a massive industry-wide conference where we as spirit, um, you know, beverage companies, along with our distributors gathered together where we're beginning to challenge some notions. Mm-hmm. And for us in our industry, you know, we're regulated by the government state government and federal government. So we're trying to figure out, okay, what does the future look like? What kind of legislation do we need to think about in terms of being able to understand what's the best way to serve our, our, our market? So it's, it's, um, it is comprehensive. And I think people who just think, ah, we'll just go back to the way it used to be. They're going to miss the, they're going to miss the boat. Yeah. So it's going to be an exciting time. Uh, I think for all organizations, I would suspect that's uh, the way I would frame it at Parish. You know, we're moving through the pandemic, starting our second 50th years. Uh, so this is exciting, right? But it's, um, it, as you suggest, unchartered, unchartered and, and ambiguous, all, uh, all, the, all the same. So and kind of wrapping up, I, I know you to be a person and a leader of great empathy from time I've spent with you personally and, and time I've seen you in front of other people. And I, I know it to be a part of your personal narrative in terms of experiences you had as a, as a young woman and, and um, with the loss of a, of a parent, for example. And um, I, you've already spoken to it here in the podcast around uh, your care for the mental fitness of, of, of those you lead and, and thinking about this work-life balance and listening to your employees as you think about the future. But I'm, I'm wondering, with all that we've encountered as leaders of organizations, you know, with the sickness and the systemic injustice and the protests and the divisive civil tenor, all of which makes it into our workplace, like all the people we lead are feeling all this motion, you know, how, how have you been able to keep your own fitness and, and wellness and resilience as a leader up high? And how are you endeavoring to do it for those you lead? You touched on that a lot. So maybe you want to focus on the question of, you know, yourself as a, as a leader, how, how have you learned to do it better? You know, I, um, I'll probably uh, kind of bring this full circle. When I think about leadership models, um, I've always considered myself to be a servant leader mm-hmm. where, you know, it's an inverted pyramid where the CEO sits at the bottom of the pyramid and mm-hmm. what's at the top 
is our front line um, and the consumers we serve. Um, you know, the way I've, I've been able to stay fit is um, through service. And, um, you know, it, it's in bringing, I'm, I'm, I work so hard to help people bring their whole selves mm. to the workplace. Mm. Um, you know, I've talked to many employees around Asian hate, they're Asian, myself included. Um, we all know what's happened with, you know, the racial upheaval, mm -hmm. social mm -hmm. upheaval, creating an open environment where people can also bring that into the workplace and not feel that they're two different people. Mm -hmm. um, listening, uh, being empathetic, understanding. It was really interesting. We, we were seeing an upsurge in accidents in our factories. Mm -hmm. And we brought psychologists in to understand what is driving it. And in almost every single case, it was something that was happening at home or something someone was facing personally. And so it is really time, I think, this is a, a, a time as leaders that we have to remember that we just don't lead employees, we lead human beings. And we're all in the human being business. And um, that's, how I, that's how I stay motivated is to help people feel that they matter. Every single person matters. Yeah, and you just really, um, you always have um, just admitted and communicated that, I think, by the person that you are in, in front in front of others. But I think you're right that the, the time has, has called on all leaders to be thinking about not only how well am I, because if I'm not well, I can't serve the people that I'm working with. But then those key questions like, how are you? Do we ask that enough? The expression of gratitude, which fills um, all buckets, you know, our own in giving it and the bucket of those that, you know, that, that receive it. Um, and just really thinking about the, as Laura Vandernut Lipsky, who I mentioned in our first podcast said to go into every conversation with the sense that I don't know anything. Yeah. You know, I don't know anything about the past and narrative that you or any of our employees bring to work each day. Right. And so we've got to be sensitive to that. We do. And I think the next mark of great leaders beyond just they, I have three things. Leaders need to be learners. Mm -hmm. They need to be teachers. And most importantly, they have to show others that they're vulnerable. Mm. In their vulnerability will help others accept their own. Yeah. And if I could add a coda to it too, I'd say um, bestowers of grace, Yeah, you know, because that self-grace is, you know, the notion that to yourself, not everything has to be beyond excellent. <laughs> right. And then to, to your employees that within reason, you know, the, the, the project that, that misses the mark a bit or the, the new idea that doesn't seed the way that you thought to, especially in these complex times, is, is something that together we'll figure out our way around, you know, and, and I think exactly. the bestowers of grace is a great addition to it. So I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Because again, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. Right. And um, such important thing for us to think about both as individuals and as leaders. So I could do like three hours with the on leadership. You know that. <laughs> I always love, love talking you. to you. I know it's always fun, but uh, you, you have you have our 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 great um, gratitude for what you and Deepu and, and your family have brought to our community for so many years, and and our admiration as we watch you do your amazing things beyond. And I uh, can't wait to see uh, where Nishant and and Maya touch this world because they're going to do it in substantial ways. So thanks for spending some time with me. Of course, and I'm so grateful to the entire Parish family. Our family would be nowhere without the great family of Parish. Great to see you. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to this edition of the From Angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. As we move into the month of November, we will shift away from the topic of reconnecting as organizations of purpose to reconnecting to relationships. How has the pandemic shifted friendships, if at all? And what has this period of challenge reminded us about healthy relationships? And for our Parish Connection episode next month, we will talk the power of lasting friendships forged among members of Parish's first graduating class of 2007. We look forward to being back with you in November. Until then, thanks for listening to the From Angle podcast.